raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. The 308th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that. To be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win! 54 to 53, North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! They're on the way to win it! 35, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here with you guys once again today. Going to take you through Hubert Davis's meeting with the media ahead of to. The, the game against NC State on Wednesday night um, as the head coach of Carolina basketball met with the media for about 15 minutes or so on Tuesday ahead of this all-important matchup against the Wolfpack in Raleigh. Um, got some news and notes that we're going to go over ahead of this game as well as I typically do whenever I got you on here and take you through a press conference, add more context, um, going into whatever game that it is that we're talking about. Um, but before we do that, we start every edition of the pod, as we always do, with our pod thought of the day. And we go, go to a quote from Stephen Covey. And this quote is, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And right now the main thing that Carolina is doing is winning. Um, you know, they're 11-3 and on the year, 3-0 and in the league. The top ten in the AP poll, the net, and Kenpop, uh, the only ACC team that can lay claim to such a thing. Um, and you just need to keep the main thing the main thing, not get caught up in all the positivity, all the headlines, all the um, press clippings that are coming your way, and just keep putting in the work, putting your head down, continue to grind and grind and grind. Because you've still got 17 uh, more regular season ACC games you've got to play. You've still got to go through an ACC tournament all before we get to March. Um, and so there's a, there's a long way to go. 
There's a lot still left to be accomplished, a lot more work that needs to be done, and Carolina just needs to stay focused on that. Um, And this is really the first time under Heber Davis they've dealt with regular season prosperity this early in the year. Um, You know, last year, you know, you start preseason number one, you were unranked by the second week of December. Year one, you know, you got the, the, the big win at Duke to end the regular season, but before that, it was as uneven as it could have been with Carolina squarely on the bubble um, all season long. And, and so uh, for this group, you know, Jess, Cormac Ryan, R.J. Davis, Armando Baycott, they've been around the block a while, but they've never been in this situation together. Um, and they just need to – to stay focused on the little things, not get caught up in, in all the hoopla. Like guys like me are going to use a podcast platform to talk about and just continue to put the work in um, and get their desired results on the basketball court that the players want and, of course, us, the fans want. And, um, you know, we want this one as much as any game we've won all year long because it's the first rivalry game of the year. It's in a hostile environment. Um, and, and NC State, while still coming off a thumping of Virginia, is going to be looking for a win to really validate themselves as a legitimate team in the ACC. And with that, we'll transition to some news and notes uh, for more context and more background going into this matchup. Um, as I mentioned, Carolina 3-0 and in league play. That's the first time that's happened under Hubert Davis. And it's the first time it's happened since 2015-2016. And that year, Carolina would win an ACC regular season title. They'd win an ACC tournament title and make the Final Four and play for the national championship. Ironically enough, that ACC tournament was held in Washington, or in Washington D.C. This year's ACC tournament, guess where it's going to be held? In Washington, D.C., um, and so if you believe in those in, in, in superstitions and those types of things, maybe this gets something that you if, you, if you don't believe in this team, maybe this will make you believe that, oh, this is, this is a championship caliber team that we've got in here in Chapel Hill. When you look at this matchup with the Wolfpack, um, of course, you know, it's, 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 it's heavily, heavily favors Carolina. They're 164 and 80 all-time against the Wolfpack. Um, the 164 wins are the most against a single opponent, tied with ACC foe Wake Forest, a team that will visit Carolina in just about two weeks. So Carolina is no stranger to playing NC State. They're also no stranger to beating NC State. And further evidence of that um, is in the last 42 games, Carolina is a mind-blowing 36-6. And And over the last 31 seasons, uh, Carolina's 53-13. and That's why many Carolina fans will beat their chest and and proudly proclaim it's not a rivalry, Um, even though, you know, I'll sit here and say, as a guy that loves ACC basketball, loves the rivalries that this, this conference has to offer, it's still a rivalry. It's no longer the rivalry in the conference. That, of course, is Carolina and Duke. But before TV really brought Carolina and Duke to the forefront of college basketball, this was the rivalry 
in the ACC. Um, and there was a lot of heated battles back in the day when Frank McGuire was the head coach on until Coach Smith. And we all know how Roy Williams felt about the Wolfpack. Um, and, and, you know, as I mentioned, Carolina – not a stranger to success against NC State, and that's true when they go to Raleigh. Um, Carolina is 68-48 and 48 all-time uh, in Raleigh. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned that PNC Arena is not the venue that State should play in. Reynolds Coliseum is an ACC basketball cathedral. Uh, but, that, I mean, to be 68-48 means Carolina had to win there quite a bit. Um, and they've won quite a bit at PNC where they're 18 and 6 all time. Um, that 750 road winning percentage is the best against a single opponent in, a, in, in, in their home gym against any team in the ACC. So now we've set the scene um, for this matchup with NC State. And, and as I mentioned earlier on Tuesday, Huber Davis met with the media and um, typically, I would have gone through this press conference and broken it down a lot sooner. But if you're like me and you lived in the greater Charlotte area, Tuesday was a bit of a, a hectic day with all the severe weather um, that we had to experience here. Uh, a lot of localized flooding um, where I live, power outages, internet loss and the like meant that this was going to be delayed. But here we are. Um, and now we're going to go through everything that Huber Davis had to say today when he met with the media. We'll start off with his opinion of this NC State Wolfpack team. Well, I mean, they, you know, um, Coach Keats is um, just a terrific coach. And um, defensively, they just, they pick you up, they pressure you, um, they create steals, they create turnovers. Uh, they try to speed you up. They take you out of rhythm from an offensive standpoint. And, you know, from, a, from an offensive standpoint, like you, you would love to have a guy that you could just easily throw the ball to and create offense. But, you know, they, they, have, they have a number of them in name and Burns and, 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 and DJ Horn. And so, um, you know, they can score consistently down low in the paint. They can shoot, shoot from three. They've got athleticism that can attack the basket. And when you've got, uh, you know, DJ Byrne who can score, but he's he's not a good passer. He is a gifted passer. It, it you know, poses a lot of problems for us defensively. You know, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, one thing I try to do as the host of this podcast is try to watch every team before Carolina plays them so that I have a certain feel for them whenever we get on here and we break a team down. I haven't seen NC State play, um, whether it's just been, you know, their, their, their lack of non-conference uh, marquee games. Um, and then in their, in their conference games, their schedule just hasn't led to me to watch them play. So we're really going to take what Coach Davis had to say at them at face value. Um, you, you, got four, you got four guys averaging double-figure scoring, we know they want to play aggressive. They're going to be emotional. They're going to feed off the crowd. Um, and this is going to be a team that's motivated. They beat Carolina last year in their home gym. Um, for guys like DJ Burns and Casey Morsell, they want to experience that feeling again. Um, and, you know, that, even though they, they beat Virginia down the way they did over the weekend, they're still seeking a win to validate themselves and get some respect 
not even nationally, but just within the ACC, um, and maybe put themselves as a legitimate contender to get a double by in the, the ACC tournament, which in this iteration of the ACC is just as important as finishing top three used to be back in the, back, back in the day. Um, so, you know, State's going to, you know, they're going to be motivated. They're going to be anxious to prove that this 11-3 start is not, is not a fluke, and they're going to be prepared to give Carolina their best effort. One of the bigger reasons why they're 11-3 is D.J. Horn is having a spectacular season for um, Kevin Keats in that backcourt. And uh, Hubert Davis talked about the challenges D.J. Horn will present for his team. Well, I mean, he, he's a gifted scorer. I mean, he can, you know, score with the ball in his hands. He can come off screens. He shoot over 40% from three. Very aggressive playmaker, very confident, has a green light, and you know we, you know, the type of attention that needs to be on him is the same type of attention that you have on you know Henson and Gerard and those type of guys. He's in a really nice rhythm right now. He's playing at an extremely high level and very difficult to defend. You know, when you look at DJ Moore, this is a guy that this is his third school. When he transferred out of um, Arizona State, I wrote an article for HeelToughBlog.com saying Carolina should look to go get him because he's a guard that can put the ball in the bucket. Um, and, and you're seeing that this year where he's averaging over 14 points per game. For his career, he's averaging over 12 points per game and shooting over 38% from behind the three-point line. and. You know, the good news is, is Carolina is coming off a string of games where they played really well defensively against, you know, whether it's Pitt's best player and Blake Henson against Clemson's best player and P.J. Hall. They're going to need that same effort tonight or Wednesday night against E.J. Moore. Expect to see Seth Trimble match up on him when he comes off the bench. Expect Cormac Ryan to get him, match up with him in the starting lineup. You, we saw how... Cormac's length and activity really caused problems in the last two games from the perimeter. That's got to be the case in this game. Take away driving lanes. Um, I don't. I don't know if Horn is as explosive as Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner were a year ago. That backcourt duo that led State to the NCAA tournament. But he's a fifth-year player. He's been around the block. He's experienced. This will be his first. You know, and only time he gets to play Carolina at home, as a and as a kid that grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, he'll be ready to make his stamp on this rivalry in the lone home game. He'll get a chance to do so, and so Carolina's going to need that same intensity, that same focus defensively we've seen the last handful of games. Um, speaking of the rivalry with NC State, you know we we know how Coach Smith felt about the Wolfpack. You know, with all those years, um, you know, competing um, uh, against Jim Balvano and some of the other legendary figures that that I coached at NC State. Of course, we know how Roy Williams felt about him. Um, There was a respect factor when it came to Duke, and rightfully so. But there was a natural hatred for for Roy Williams against the Wolfpack 
and you really saw that be displayed on the basketball court. And Coach Davis was asked what this rivalry game means to him. Yeah, you know, people ask me that question at every game to me, and I, and I really mean this, is a rivalry to me. There isn't, okay, here's NC State or here's Duke. I, I, you know, I, I, For me, I, I am fired up whomever we play and wherever we play. And so, um, obviously, it's a history of, you know, me playing here at North Carolina, and I, you know, I've told you guys how, um, how much fun and how hard and difficult it was to play at Reynolds Coliseum and my struggles to score there in the first half all four years. And so, um, but I just remember those great battles with, you know, Rodney Monroe and Tom Gugliotta and, Those are fun times. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, I, I think you would want to hear a little bit more forward response from Hubert Davis in talking about the rivalry. Um, this is who coaches, though. He's, he's going to talk about being fired up and energetic to play no matter who they're playing. And he's proven that. Like, it doesn't matter who Carolina plays, Hubert Davis is, is, is excited but you can also see in the way that he gets his team prepared for this game, it means a lot to him. Uh, will it mean as much to him as it meant to Roy Williams? I don't know. Maybe not. But you know, we, we've seen the way Carolina's played at home under Hubert Davis in this rivalry. We've seen how animated he's been in, the, in these rivalry games at home. Um, and even on the road. You know, the, the first year Carolina needed to go on the road and win to keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. They were able to do that. And last year, you know, when it felt like Carolina was maybe getting ready to go on another late-season push to make the tournament, it didn't happen. Um, Hubert Davis was very animated in that ball game as well. And so he might not talk about it openly and, and, and in public, but as you watch the game tomorrow night, you'll see how much this game means to Hubert. And, and I think you'll see – his players come out and try to respond and match that same intensity, that same focus. Now we'll move on to just some general topics that were addressed during today's availability with the medium. You look at the way Carolina's closed out their last three Power 5 opponents, Oklahoma, Pittsburgh, and Clemson. It's the complete opposite of what we saw against this team in crunch time against UConn and Kentucky, and Coach Davis was asked about what's been the difference in them closing out games here as of late. Well, something that, you know, we've talked about is, you know, in those stretches, down the stretch that, you know, we just, you know, the discipline and the details and, you know, on both ends of the floor, how important it is to tighten the screws and, really be on point defensively, getting stops, getting rebounds, uh, defending without fouling. On the offensive end, just sheer execution, making sure we're running the play the exact way, setting the screen properly, coming off the screen the right way, getting the ball into the hands that we want, uh, getting the right guys shooting. And it's something that we practice, I would say 99% of the time, a part of practice is last three minutes of the game. And I talked to you guys earlier about 
just a conversation that I liked in the huddle, yeah. and that was the conversation. You know, it was like, hey, we, we did this in practice. This is exactly the drill that we did in practice. Okay, so let's, you know, let's get a stop here. Um, we play this game, stop, score, stop, and in the huddle, they were like, oh, let, let's get a stop, score, stop, or let's get a score, stop, score. And so they're taking what we've been talking about in practice and trying to put it in the game. It's one of the reasons why you like being old, um, and you're hearing more and more coaches say that you got to get older in today's college basketball. We saw how experience helped San Diego State make the national championship game a year ago. You got a fifth-year senior in Armando Bay, Connor Cormac Ryan in your starting five, a fourth-year senior in R.J. Davis, a third-year junior in Harrison Ingram. The more that they communicate, the more that – you drill these situations in practice. You expect that experience to really show up in these moments. And that's what's happened. Um, you know, you put these same kids in the same situation last year, two years ago. I don't know if Carolina's winning these games. I don't know if they're ending the game at Clemson on a 7-0 run and not allowing a bucket with over the final five minutes. But it's happening now because the, the communication is there. The trust is there. And you can just tell that this is something that Carolina's worked on multiple times in practice. Because I think Huber Davis expected with their schedule they were going to play a lot of tight, close ball games. Um, and that's been the case. And it's, it's why I said when they lost those games to UConn and Kentucky, like, yes, in the moment, disappointed. Wanted to win those games. And those games were there for you to win. But those were also games that in years past, Carolina gets blown out. And they're not there with a chance to win the game at the end. And what you're, what you were hoping for was that the next time they were in that situation, they'd win those games. And they've done that, i.e., Oklahoma, Pittsburgh, and Clemson. Two more sound bites for us to go over before we do get out of this edition of the Four Corners podcast. I think when we did the pre-UConn press conference, we talked about tempo and pace. And if they were playing as fast as Coach Davis wanted, wants them to play, well, he was asked again today if they're playing at his desired pace. I want to play faster. I do. I just I, I want to go, you know, whether it's a made or missed basket, you know, the pace at which we transition from defense to offense is I want it to be real. And uh, I feel like we have the guys to be able to do it. Um, you know, we always talk about, living in primary break where you can get a layup or a dunk or deep post catch or get foul get to the free throw line or quick open three by our best three-point shooters. And so that's something that we always look at and, and talk about our pace, our pace, and that's something that we really want to build on throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, it's something that I, I look at Coach Davis and I see a lot of myself in. Um, those of you that have listened to us for a long time, Um, You know that I want the game to be played as fast as possible. I believe that's the way the game's supposed to be played. Um, And they they could simply never play fast enough for my liking or Huber Davis' liking. Um, They've been caught some half-court games. Pittsburgh and Clemson were not games that Carolina was running up and down the court. But the fact that they were able to win those games that way is going to prove valuable as we go deeper and deeper into conference season and get closer and closer to the NCAA tournament. With that said, you expect this game to be up and down. 
and you expect that to favor Carolina. And so um, I think this has got to be a constant reminder that to push off a misses and push off a mix. Um, because I think Carolina's running the floor better. Armando's getting better position in the post. You're getting better spacing on the wings, and you're getting better driving lanes to, you know, get to the rim, draw fouls, draw contact, or drop the ball off for a dunk or kick it out to a wide-open corner three in transition. And so, um, you know, I, I, I think they're going to continue to run because that's the way Hubert Davis wants to play. And, you know, it, it's a fun brand of basketball if you're like me and believe that's the best way to play the game. The last, uh, the last piece of sad we'll play from Hubert Davis was he was asked about Paxson Wojcik, a guy that's had to adjust to a new role after being a starter at the Ivy League to a reserve here in Carolina. But at every twist and turn, he's been ready no matter what's been asked of him. And he was asked about how impressive that is. Yeah, he's uh, a great example to our younger players about um, – being ready in terms of preparation and practice and um, when his number is called, he's ready to play. And you're right. I mean, he's he played big 10 minutes against Clemson. Uh, there's been times where he only played in the first half and there's been times that he started. And um, as a player, you have to have that ability to be able to adjust and to be able to perform on call. And he's been able to do it. Just um, he's a great teammate. The guys absolutely love him. And the only downside of, of Paxson is is that I only get to coach him one year. He is a dream player to coach. Of course, if you go back to our summer editions of the podcast, I projected and predicted Paxson Wojcik to be a starter. Even went on the Locked On Tar Heels podcast with my good buddy Isaac Shade. Said the same thing. We get to opening night against Radford. I see Pax and Wojcik in the starting lineup. I'm feeling kind of good about myself. Feel pretty smart and validated in that prediction. But I also knew that he wasn't going to be the starter come ACC play. And if he was, then this team wasn't reaching uh, its, 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 its true ability. He's now you know, moved to the bench. And as Coach said, he's played some games where he's played in the first half, never played in the second. There's been games where he didn't play in the first half and played in the second. And he played some extended minutes on Saturday. And it's why you like bringing in these types of transfers that have been around the block. This is his last go at it. He wants to play on college basketball's biggest stage. He wants to compete for a Final Four. He wants to compete for a national championship. And he's going to do whatever is asked of him. No matter what. And when you have that type of unselfishness, it permeates itself throughout the team. And we see the way that he, he hustles for loose balls and sacrifices his body. Well, if, if he's doing that, it's going to make it easier for that five-star to do the same thing. And so Paxson you know, may not be the starter I predicted him to be. He's still having the impact in a lot of different ways I expected him to have, um, and he, he he's one of the plus sides of the transfer portal because you can go down to the lower level, find the ultimate blue guy, the team player that's going to make the right pass or the extra pass on offense. He's going to sacrifice his body on defense, and no matter what, whether he plays one minute or 20 minutes, 
He's going to play as hard as he's going to play, and he's become a leader in a lot of different ways for this Carolina basketball team, and they're going to need him as the season moves along. Well, that, well guys, that's going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Of course, since we've started doing these, these are quicker, shorter, abbreviated podcasts, if you will, but great content, great insight, um, and that's what we provided here once again for you guys tonight with more stats and info on the rivalry with NC State, and then your, and then breaking down some thoughts and comments from the head coach of Carolina basketball. In the meantime, we're going to encourage you guys to visit the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com, where you can go and check out a preview of the game. Of course, I'll have you cover the recap of the game as well as I continue to take you through the basketball season. Football, going to take a back seat, rightfully so. It's it's a basketball season. We've got a ace, you know, we've got a top ten team in the country. We're going to cover that this as as closely as possible. But whatever news that does trickle out of the Keenan Football Center, Anthony will have you covered with that. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels and go to Hell State. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.